0: We have been, um, I've, I've been in the, for the month of January, been doing like a little, um, <clears throat> little New Year series, and uh, we started with uh, Second Corinthians, that God has given us, we're new creations and that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then we moved on to Proverbs chapter 3, and we started that last week, got halfway through. And I want to finish uh, the rest of the chapter with you today. I actually, I think I said last week, but I actually had it in my mind that I was going to do all of Proverbs chapter 3 in one sermon. And then when I got going on it, I realized that I was, I was uh, just discovering too many good things. And, uh, and because there's always another Sunday and always another sermon, so why not make it two instead of one? And... And aren't you glad? Because now you get like two-hour sermons instead of one two-hour sermon. Say, so People think, you need to lighten up, lighten up. It's warm outside. Doesn't it make you feel like spring? Yeah, don't be tricked. Yeah. I'm afraid we have another little while to go. But anyway, uh, how to have a better life. Last week we talked about King Solomon, the wisest person that ever walked the planet, probably is a good person to listen to, probably has something to say that's of value. And so in Proverbs chapter three, he takes the whole chapter and he talks about if you if you live like this, if you incorporate these principles into your life, then there will be blessing that follows, there will be good consequence that happens to you when when uh, you live like this, when you get these things, it, it leads to a better life. That's his whole point. If we want to live a better life, these things should be incorporated into our lives. Now, we talked about last week, we all want to live a better life. Everybody does. Uh, we, we, and, and that January is that time of year when people look to make changes in their lives related to health or wealth or relationships. But Somehow, some way, we wanna make our lives better. And this is the month that it seems like we're more focused on that than ever. People join gyms and then quit by March, you know? We, we, we make all these wonderful promises and then never really live it out. But I'm encouraging us today, not that stuff. You can, you can work on that stuff. I'm, I'm talking about core foundational principles in our lives here that we can find in Proverbs 3 that will literally change your life for the better if we, can, if we can get these. Now, did you enjoy the sermon last week? Do you remember anything that I said last week? Ah, you got notes. You're cheating. Okay. So, we said, I, I said that there was 10 principles in uh, Proverbs 3 that would lead us to living a better life. And we got through the first five, which were, just to recap, because you might not have been here, you can always listen online, but just in case you weren't here, the five principles that King Solomon starts with in Proverbs 3 are these. He said, always be loyal and kind, trust in God, live with humility, honor God with your wealth. That was a beautiful one where we got tons of amens, and, and last, do not reject the Lord's discipline. You remember any of those? Those were last week, so those are the first five, and today we want to look at the next five and finish up the chapter. So uh, put up for me Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 13, and it says this, "'Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is, is more precious than rubies.' Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath Uh, the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. This is the number six. Uh, this is what he says, I got so much to say, my brain is going way too fast, so here we go. they will just process it in a slower way. Here we go. Number six is this, grow in wisdom and common sense. Grow in wisdom and common sense. Now, wisdom is something that we should seek for, Solomon says. He says that it's, it's better to have wisdom and common sense than to have silver and gold. It's hard for us to wrap our head around that because we would prefer silver and gold most of the time. But he's saying, you're wrong. Wisdom is better to have than silver and gold. Where can you find the wisdom that Solomon is talking about? This is is what he means, that wisdom is found in knowing the Lord. Wisdom comes from him. We, We have to find him. We have to grow in our relationship with him. And as we do, then he grows us in wisdom and in common sense. See, the spirit renews our mind, right? He opens our eyes to things that we didn't see before. Right, Jim? This is what the spirit does to us. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 13 to 16. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, that same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. This is important. And and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ, right? Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's saying, when you find him, your eyes are open to new truth, you, new revelation, things that you didn't see or understand before. All of a sudden, God's giving you not just knowledge, but he's giving you wisdom. He's giving you insight. He's giving you common sense. He's giving you a way to look at things that you couldn't look at before you met him. And and this is where wisdom is found. What do we say that the fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. This is where wisdom is, that when we come into relationship with him, when we respect him, when we honor him, when we serve him, when we say, lead me, guide me, fill me, use me. All of a sudden we become conduits of his wisdom. He wants to give it to us. And so here we have Solomon saying wisdom and common sense are important. He, he, uh, when he's talking about wisdom and common sense, I, I wanted to make this point. Not that you don't know. We already, I already said last week, I recognize that you're all very smart people, that you already know all this, and it's just a good reminder, all right? So, but be reminded today, all right? When he's talking about wisdom and common sense, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And you, 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 we, I think we all intuitively know that. But let me just try to spell it out a little bit. When we talk about knowledge, we're talking, uh, knowledge tends to deal with facts, with, with data, with information, right? Wisdom is a little bit different. It deals with discernment, insight, uh, perception, discretion. Uh, and, and old-fashioned common sense is weaved right into wisdom. There's a little bit of a difference. Um, here's the thing. Wisdom is actually needed to process the knowledge correctly, right? How many people have knowledge but they don't have the wisdom to process it correctly? They don't know how to, what to do with the knowledge that they have. I mean, look around us, folks. We live in a time where there's more knowledge and more data available to us than ever before, ever before in the history of the world. We have tons of knowledge and information. We have tons of data. It grows exponentially nearly every day. It is growing and growing and growing. But what we lack is the wisdom and the common sense to use that knowledge in the right way, right? How many times have you heard me say from this podium, common sense? It's not common anymore. It's becoming more rare. People, people have the knowledge of all kinds of things, but live lives that, that, that can't seem to process what they know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, like we know, for instance, okay, let me touch back on, on money, okay, because it's a huge one. It's a huge one. All you people are brilliant and wonderful. You know that if you have $100 and you go and you spend $200 on your credit card and you're going to be paying 28% interest on that. Have you ever looked at those bills and said, if you make your minimum payment, how long will it take you to pay this off? Anyone ever looked at those? Does it not freak you out? Just go out for dinner with a couple of friends, and it it will take you 48 years and six months and five days. Go, oh my. And yet I do it, and I don't have the money. I have the knowledge, but is that common sense? Speak to yourself, people, now. Speak it. Hear what you're saying to yourself now. Listen. Listen. We have all kinds of knowledge. It grows and grows and grows. We can find out every detail about blue whales. We can find everything out about what's going on around the Galapagos. We can can understand the pollution in the ocean. We can understand all kinds of crazy things. But we don't have the wisdom at times to process this knowledge in a godly, productive way. And Solomon is saying, this is what you need. For if you have the wisdom, if you have the common sense, if you're growing in your relationship with God, he will give you insight into these things. He will, he will open your eyes and give you unbelievable, unbelievable pathways to follow this wisdom that will lead to a better life. This is what we lack. He, he goes on, like, let, let me just say this. He, he says that Solomon says that wisdom will lead to so many blessings. Uh, tons, as a matter of fact. Count these for me, all right? But this is what he says. He says wisdom will lead to many blessings. He says, he, so check this out. He says wisdom is linked to a long life. Wisdom is linked to wealth. Wisdom is linked to honor. Wisdom is linked to a satisfying uh, a, a life. Uh, wisdom is linked to happiness. Wisdom is linked to joy. Wisdom is linked to a refreshing, to a refreshed soul. Wisdom will help keep you safe and it will, help sli- it will help you sleep well at night. Is that like nearly 10? And that's just the beginning of what the benefits of wisdom that will pour. We don't need, why he says, wisdom is better than silver or gold because if you're smart, you'll get silver and gold, right? Don't worry about that. You'll be wise. God will help you. He'll instruct you. Don't worry about going after this or that. If you're wise and have the common sense and the insight of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to a better life. You will be a person who will benefit and and have an amazing life because of wisdom. Uh, Wisdom has its benefits. Isn't that a credit card? just came to me. Wisdom has its benefits. Membership has its benefits. There you go, yeah. I knew I heard that somewhere before. Well, listen, forget membership. Wisdom has its benefits, right? Jesus said, I am the way, what? The truth and the life, right? So he says, I am the truth, right? The truth, right? Now, a lot of people, we can't handle the truth, but listen, he is the truth. And the more that we learn about Jesus, right, the more that, more that he becomes a part of us, the more that our eyes open, the more that the more common sense, the more wisdom, the more discretion, the more perception, right? The, the, the ability to process knowledge correctly, it becomes ours, right? He leads us to living truthfully and honestly. He leads us in this. And so surrendering to Jesus, gaining his wisdom, leads to a better life. That's simply what he says. He is the truth, and he is the wisdom that we need for our lives. So listen, the more knowledge that this world is going to gain, we're going to benefit from that in some ways. But if we don't partner knowledge with wisdom, we're not going to lead the better life that God wants for us. Someone said amen, right? That's just truth. So I got to move on. See, see, you see when I started going through this, I, I could like everyone could be a sermon, right? So I got to move on. But but wisdom is important. So how to have a better life. Part two, one is growing wisdom. Second, have no fear. Look at Proverbs 3, 25 to 26. He says this. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security and he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Now. There are many people who live with a lot of fear in their life, a lot. A lot of believers live with a lot of fear. And how much better would our lives be if we could live free of fear? We are afraid of almost everything. Type in the word phobia on Google, there there are millions of them, literally. People are afraid of everything, afraid of going outside. I mean, not just regular stuff like spiders and heights and stuff. People, people are now afraid of the craziest things, right? We have so many phobias and we're hung up with so much fear and anxiety in our lives, right? There's panic always in people's lives. And there's more of this stuff in our lives than God wants for us, right? So Solomon is saying, listen, you have the Lord. You can live a life of boldness, you can live a life of confidence because of who you are in Christ. Look at 1 Timothy 1.7. They, uh, they, uh, they want to be known as teachers. Is that right? Uh, that's not the one I wanted. You know, uh, maybe it's 2 Timothy. You know, he's given us what? A spirit of, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sound mind. Right. I, that was my mistake. So that's the one I wanted. And uh, also look up Romans eight fifteen. Give me that one too. So if you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You have not. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba. We are children of God. This is who we are and God knows how to look after his own. Amen? Amen. That we have the Holy Spirit in us, not the spirit of fear, not any spirit of fear, not any phobia. We are controlled only by the Holy Spirit. He lives in us, and we are temples. We are men and women, children of the Most High God. Amen? Amen? This is who we are. So to live in fear is to live emotionally crippled. It's Instead of living in the freedom that's ours in Christ, um, we, we, it, it, it bungs us up, it slows us down, it hinders us, it stops us. It, 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 actually, it, it actually restricts us from moving forward. Fear stops a lot of things in your life. It stops you from going places. It stops you from doing things. It stops you from meeting people. It stops you from doing a lot of things. And so it's time, children of God, that we understand who we are in Christ and what spirit we've truly been given. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, yes, freedom, freedom. Fear will stop us from moving ahead. Fear will stop us from trusting God. Fear will take us away from the will of God when things get challenging. Oh, all of a sudden, God's called you to do something, and it gets a little bit tough, and you get a little bit scared, do you press on through the fear, believing that he's called you to do it, or do you run home and cower and hide in your bed? This is something that has crippled us for too long. This is good preaching right here. This is good stuff. I'm just reminding this. Man, I'm preaching this to myself. It was like... We, we can't be afraid, honestly. I, it's okay to be afraid when it's common sense, right? It's okay. I mean, fear in a healthy way is unbelievably great, but I'm talking about the unhealthy fear that restricts us, stops us, hinders us, and, and just literally cripples us and makes us a mess. See, David was called to fight a giant named Goliath. Now, just think of that story for a moment he goes in with confidence, right? He believes that the victory is his because of the Lord, right? Whose strength is he leaning on? His? Does he walk in this little kid with this nine-foot giant and say, yeah, dude, I'm going to take you down, you know? No, he walks in, and he says, for the Lord has given us victory this day, right? And so he walks in with the confidence in God, and you know what happens. Victory was his, right? Here, I wanted to show you another one that's Sort of more obscure, but a really, really cool sort of little story in Second uh, Samuel 23:20. 20. Now, I'm not going to get into it too much, but if you want to read some unbelievably action-oriented, uh, like men, uh-huh, read this chapter. Okay, it's about David's mighty men, David's three mighty men, and his and his thirty mighty men, and all the deeds that they did. Unbelievable! One guy went into a fight with one spear, killed 300 enemies. Like, I mean, like right out of the movie stuff. It's like unbelievably, unbelievably cool chapter. So there was a guy by the name of Benaiah, and I want you to get this story. There was also Benaiah, son of uh, jo- Joadah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the thing I wanted to bring up. Another time on a snowy day... He chased the lion down into a pit and killed it. Now, just wrap your head around that for a second. Seriously, seriously. I, I mean it. He chases a lion into a pit and kills it. And I want you to get this right. The lion wasn't chasing him. He was chasing the lion. Who does that? He was chasing the lion. I love this guy already, right? Like, do you have a lion in your life that has been chasing you? Do you have a lion that needs to be gone, church? Children of the Most High God can live with confidence. You can be a lion chaser. Instead of being chased by the lion, this is who we are. He walks in the confidence of God. What are you afraid of? It's time for us to chase it down and put it to death, whatever it is in your life. Chase it down and put it to death. It's time to rid ourselves of fear and to trust God and to start living with the freedom that Christ died to give us. Amen? This is a powerful, powerful truth. Excuse me, I'm still suffering with my cold a little bit, but this is the way that we live a better life. I'm going to be quicker, but these two things I, I, I wanted to just take a little bit longer on because they are such core principles for us. We have to walk in the wisdom and the common sense of the Lord. If we don't, it leads us down to so many wrong paths and to so many wrong conclusions. If we live with fear, it paralyzes us and stops us from moving forward and doing the things that God has called us and equipped us and gifted us to do. Fear is not part of our mandate. And so it's important. How do we live a better life? We walk with wisdom and common sense and we walk with no fear. All right? Third, I could go on, but I'll go. Okay, here we go. Third is this. Do not withhold good. Do not withhold good. Uh, 327. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Now, Solomon is wise, and wisdom is practical. It's very pragmatic. And this is a very practical, honest solution, right? This is a reminder to us all, folks, that living with an open hand and practicing compassion, sympathy, and generosity, it's important because it leads to a better life. You will impact others in a greater way, and you yourself will be impacted in a greater way, and your life will be enriched. When you can live like this, do not withhold good when it's in your power to give it. This is what he's saying. Generosity, all this stuff leads to a better life. Do good when you can. Solomon is saying to us, seize the moment. Take advantage of the opportunity to help somebody when the chance comes up. Listen, um, if we're not to withhold good, if, if, in fact, You know what? I had this phrase. This this might be good. This might be anointing. You might want to write this down. Give it freely, give it generously, and give it immediately. Give it freely, give it generously, and give it immediately. This is what he's saying here. Do not withhold good when it's within your power to help. Do it freely, do it generously, and do it immediately. How many times, honestly, have you had the chance in your life to do something for someone and you delayed? honestly. You know, serious. Me too, all of us, right? But here's the thing. If you delay, you may miss out on something really special. You may miss out on an opportunity that you might never get back. Sometimes in his mercy, he'll cycle it through again and you'll get another shot. But sometimes there's just a one off opportunity to do something. And if you're not on the ball, it never comes around again. And I'm encouraging us, do not withhold good when it's within your power to give it. We can't delay and many times we've been guilty of that. And let me just say this. As believers, we are being led by the Holy Spirit. And so we must get familiar with his voice. We must understand when he's speaking. You must get that still, small voice. It's not the pizza from the night before. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's whispering something into your brain. And you've got to listen to it, you've got to obey it, and you've got to act on it, right? When you, when, you know, when, like honestly, all of us, when you get the thought to call somebody, when you get the thought of dropping off something, you know, a, a meal, or taking somebody out for dinner, or making a phone call, somebody pops into your mind do you think it's really that random? Seriously. You just aren't thinking about it, but it's not random. I'm encouraging you, a lot of the times, it's actually the Holy Spirit. And, and when you get the thought, hey, I gotta call Bob. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I do, I should call Bob. Yeah, I'm busy though, ooh. When can I find time to call Bob? I don't know, I'll try tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. I should have just taken five minutes and called Bob right then when I had the thought, right? Do good and do not withhold good when it's within your power to give it. Do it, do it, do it. Do it freely, do it generously, and do it immediately. This is his point. Seize the opportunity. Do it. Seize the day. It may just be the exact moment when someone really needs you, honestly. It just may be that moment when someone really needs you. And if you live like this, Solomon says, you will be a greater blessing to those around you, and it will enrich your own life as well. So this is a key, key principle to living a better life. Do not withhold good. Four, be a good neighbor. Proverbs 3:29. he says, don't plot harm against your neighbor, for those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. So uh, did I give the next one? Oh, yeah, no, I did. Okay, that's it. So this, this is like the golden rule, right? We all, we, we understand, I think most of us understand, this, the, the classic golden rule, right, is to do unto others what you would have them do unto you, right? So treat others the way that you want to be treated, Do to people what you would like them to do to you. It's a very simple principle to understand, a little bit more difficult for us to live out. We don't want people plotting harm against us. We don't want people picking a fight with us. We don't want people to walk around speaking poorly about us. Nobody does. So guess what? Don't do it yourself. Okay, now I'm meddling a little bit, I understand, but listen. If that's how you live, then you better expect that it's going to come back, right? If that's the person that you are, you're setting yourself up not to live a better life, but you're setting yourself up for that vicious circle to come back around again. So the Bible is quite clear, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now some people are easy to live at peace with, some people are not, I get it, I understand. But this is the call that's on our lives, right? Hurting people and speaking words of death about people and being critical and cynical all the time. It's not who we are in Christ. Someone said amen. It's really not who we are. It's not who we're supposed to be. And it's time for the church, the, the church, to start living this out in a more practical way. People don't listen to you when you don't live a life of integrity. You have to show people that what you say is actually how you live. It brings credibility, it brings power to your testimony. It, brings, it, it just brings more more uh, sort of anointing on your life to be used for, for others. We all hate hypocrites. We all hate people who say this and then do the exact opposite. We can't say, we are children of God, that we speak words of life, that we are for you, not against you. That, and then we go, did you see what Mrs. Smith did this morning? She's so nasty, and she's so mean, and I hated that sweater she was wearing. And I went, you know, like, we do it. It's, it's time to grow up and move on. Somebody said yes. It's just time to stop, right? I don't actually think, I'm, I'm, I'm going off because I don't actually think a lot of us here have a massive problem with that, but I think it's important that we, we keep nipping these things in the bud and not letting it be a problem, right? So let's be a good neighbor, right? Just like, I get it, like, what? well, I know what you're thinking because I thought it too. Oh yeah, but that's easy for you to say, you know, easy for you to say that. But what about, what about those people who treat me so badly? What about that, that guy at the office or my neighbor or somebody in my life who just, who speaks words of just, just death about me, who just is mean to me all the time, who doesn't give me a chance, doesn't it justify me giving them the same treatment back? Now listen, this is a deep, deep answer. No. No, it does not. And sometimes we use somebody's behavior towards us to justify our behavior towards them. And Solomon is saying, you want to live a better life, child of God, it's time that you rise above and be the better person. Show them Jesus, pour out grace, let them say what they want to say, but you are only accountable for what comes out of your mouth, right? So it's important that we don't treat people that way. We are called to treat people with the love of Christ as best as we can to live at peace, to be a good neighbor to those that we come in contact with, and to treat people the way that we want them to treat us. It's a basic, basic life principle, but a very powerful principle if we live it out. So that's four. Last one. I'm doing really good. See that, Steph? 1115, we're doing good. Last one. Do not envy. Proverbs 3:31, 32. Don't Envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. See, there's a blessing that comes to those who live with contentment. Contentment and godliness, it's a beautiful combination. It leads to a better life. He's saying, don't envy what other people have. Did you know that envy is one of those things? It's not like we walk around and people see it. You know? like, it's not like a physical handicap or an ailment that's obvious. You know? We don't walk around with a stamp on our forehead saying, you know, envy. But it, it's one of those things that it kind of destroys us from the inside out. It, it rots us from the inside out. It's, it, 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 it doesn't bring life to our bones. It brings death to our spirit kind of thing. And Solomon said, listen, don't envy violent people, don't envy wicked people, don't don't look at them and think they have it all together. And I get, by the way, that at times it is so easy to envy the wrong thing. It is so easy to envy the wrong person, right? You see it actually in Scripture time and time and time again. We won't take the time to look, but if you look at the Psalms and you see Psalms of lament, where the psalmist is pouring out his heart saying, why, O God? Have I been faithful to you? Why, O oh God, have I, have I done nothing but good, but yet evil and wickedness and trials and tribulation come my way? And I look at this man who gives you no regard, who's wicked and vile, and he lives in the lap of luxury and has nothing but good things on it, you know, that surround his life. You see it all the time in the Bible. In fact, countless times. But here's the thing. When, when someone complains to God that they're faithful and they have nothing but problems and the wicked seem to be enjoying all the good things of life. This is God's general answer. You're thinking way too short term, way too short term, right? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God gives gifts and blessings to every single person on this planet, whether we know them or not, that's just a fact. If it wasn't for his mercy, we'd be dead, all of us. And so there is mercy upon everybody. God gives people talent to get money and to do all that stuff. But here's the thing. We can't think that short term. See, some people who may have riches and fame, it doesn't actually mean that they're happy. It doesn't actually mean that they live with peace. It doesn't actually mean that they live with a sense of contentment, that they live a better life. It's not true. We think it's true, but, but it's wrong. I read an article this week about 20 people who um, won lotteries over the last number of years, uh, some of them from about from 1 million up to in the States, a guy was winning 20, 30 or 40 million dollars. Anyway, the they, they tracked 20 people who, who, who won multiple millions of dollars, and at the end of the day, all 20 people said that their life is actually worse, it's worse after they got the money. One guy, he said it led me into alcoholism and using drugs, led me into party lifestyle and I blew it so fast and all my friends left me, I lost my marriage, my kids, my whole life's a disaster because of that money. Uh, The stories are actually quite astounding Uh, and it happens again and again and again. I know that doesn't happen to everybody, but I'm saying when we look at people you know, and we say if I only had $40 million, man, whoo. I would live well, let me tell you. And look, there is a blessing that comes with money. I mean, let's not be let's not, you know, we can't we can't deny that. But but the fact is is money doesn't always lead to happiness. As a matter of fact, it almost never leads to happiness. Money alone never leads us the right way unless we're being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, right? And so It's important that we don't look at people with this envy, people who have riches, people who have fame, people who have everything that you've ever dreamed of, and you think if you could get those things and have that much money, then your life would be wonderful, you'd live at peace, and you'd be completely free. And the truth is, is when all that stuff is given to people, they actually find themselves in debt, in a hole, addicted, and all kinds of other issues come up. So it's just not true, first of all, right? Right? And then ultimately, this is what Solomon says in verse 33. He says, The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in a home that's under the blessing of God and not the curse of God. Just me, but, you know, just saying. In the end, in the end, the Lord says that the house of the wicked will not lead to a good place. In fact, There's a curse and a a darkness on it. But he blesses the home of the upright. So the world and its blessings are temporary. They're short-lived. And this this is the attitude that I think we need to have. We can't envy those who seem to have it all, but they don't have Jesus. Do you understand? Now, to have it all would be, you could be a billionaire and Jesus. That would be pretty good, too. In fact, if you're here, could you... See me after because I have a few bills at the new church that we could just saying. Yeah. But but honestly, we can't live that way. We it, it, it's it's wrong, it doesn't lead us to a fulfilled life, it doesn't lead us to a productive life, it doesn't lead us to a better life. It rots us from the inside and does something to us that's damaging. And so I encourage you, don't envy anything or anybody who seem to have it all, but they don't have Jesus. If you don't have the Lord in the long term, you've missed the greatest thing ever. You've missed the thing that at the the very end counts the most. In fact, it's the only thing that counts. And so we have to keep our eyes long term. We have to keep our eyes on him and believe that he is looking after us. So listen. So there's 10. Here's, here's, yeah, that's 10. I'm done, I'm, that's right. Gee, I keep thinking I was gonna keep going. There's 10. So he says, be uh, loyal and kind, trust in God, live with humility, honor God with your wealth, don't reject the Lord's discipline, uh, grow in wisdom and common sense, have no fear, do not withhold good, be a good neighbor, and do not envy. 10 core life principles That if we can incorporate them into our lives, he says you will live a better life if you live this way.